Well, we'll see how this goes. I told, told some of y'all I got my second vaccine on Friday, and it just worked me. So I had a 102 fever from Saturday morning at like 4 in the morning till I think I woke up this morning. So I did my preparation on like 102 degree fever. So I haven't looked at it since. So we'll see what I typed. I'm sure it's epic. But before we do that, I wanted to maybe help you guys as you get close to kind of, maybe if you're in college, you're at the, the end of the, the year type stuff coming up before you know it, or if you're a jack of all trades or, or working three jobs, I'm gonna ask this question. Do you guys ever feel overwhelmed? Like, do you ever find yourself just so overwhelmed you, it's hard to move forward? Yet, yeah, I think everybody does, right? Um, last week, I find my, found myself super overwhelmed, the past two weeks. And let me just say this, I don't know what led to it, but it, it got to the point where I felt like I couldn't get anything done because I was trying, I was so ineffective at getting anything done. I hope that makes sense. But, but what I mean is this is, as I had so much planned that I felt like no matter what I did, it, I was just unsuccessful. I had, um, because of the snow, we had to move all my IEP meetings, which are special meetings for students, all the last week. So instead of having them spaced over like a two-week period, we had the meetings that were already planned for last week on top of two weeks of other meetings. Just a lot of meetings. I had four teachers that because their child was in a class that had somebody test positive, four teachers that were quarantined for the past week and a half. Their classes were still there, I just didn't have teachers. So all week long I was trying to make sure I had classes covered. I was running into meetings. I was doing this, I was doing this, and I felt like just done. Like I wanted to, to walk away from my job and be like, peace out, I'm gonna go work for him. Like I really do actually wanna work for him when I get older. But, but I was just done. And, and I don't know if you guys ever feel that way where you feel so overwhelmed that you can't, get, you can't get anything accomplished. Do you guys ever feel that way? I do. So, <clears throat> let me get my water. I was reminded of a object lesson. Yeah, I love a good object lesson. I don't have the object in here. But when I was a youth minister for like a year, I used to do this object lesson with teenagers. And what it was is, is I would, and I don't have it here because I didn't know I was going to do this. I would put a jar in front of them. And I'd fill the jar full of these large little rocks, right? You'd just put like three or four large rocks in it until it was full. And you'd ask, is, is the jar full? And, and what would the kids say? Yeah, it's full, right? It's totally full. And then I'd be amazed and I'd be like, all right. I'd get out pea gravel. Y'all know what pea gravel is, right? <coughs> Poor pea gravel in. So it was super full. And I would raise my, say, all right, is the jar full? And what would the kids say? Oh, no, it's really full. You know, like they were high schoolers or middle schoolers. Super full. Like there's nothing else you can add in there, right? No, you can't fit anything else in there. And I'd get the sand, right? Like you guys can see where this is going. I'd add sand. And the sand would just kind of fill all those little gaps in there. So I'd put sand in there next. Is it full? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I'd take water, you know. Like, well, can I fit this? And I'd add water to it last until literally the, the jar was full. And then I'd say, what can you pull from that? What do you think some ideas you could pull from that is? Are there any thoughts you guys would have? What could you pull from that? If I just did that in front of you, what would you think I was trying to teach you? How to make 
how to make cement. Like she's in school to be a cement maker, or even if she's not. I was talking to some guy, there's a lot of money in concrete. Like, I don't know why, but there is. What other things do you think? You can always add something more, right? But that might make you feel overwhelmed more. And this is what I would always say, is this. Guys, if we didn't do it right, that jar would have been messed up. If I would have started off by putting in the sand and adding the pea gravel, and I've done it before. Instead of adding four rocks, you can fit one rock in because there's no room to fill in around it. So what I would tell them is, is if you want to be successful, if you want to be filled, you got to realize what those large rocks are in your life. What are those most important things in your life? Because no matter what, no matter how much you got on your plate, if you don't do those first, you don't have time for them. You can't fit them in. So I'd say, what are those, so what are those big rocks you guys have in your life? For me, I'll say this. Like, mine is my, my relationship with God, obviously, is number one. That's my biggest rock I need to put in. But then, it's my family, right? Like, I love my family. That is a huge rock to me that I need to put in. And then it might be, you know, my profession in loving, being a principal in a loving manner, which is hard, is a big rock for me. But, but the idea is this, and I had to sit back, and, and I, I came to this realization about Friday at about noon. Like last week, I felt like really, literally, I say this jokingly, but like I had quit my job. I just didn't tell anybody about it. I was so just worn down. And I had to remember, you know why? Because you're not putting your big rocks in first. Like, I was so worried about, I got to make sure every one of these little meetings, which those little meetings are important to every parent involved. Trust me, I realize that. But in the scheme of things, these little meetings had to have them all done. And I had to make sure that I had every single thing perfectly in place. For, I was running around in circles with my head cut off. And I was leaving the big rocks out. And that's why I never felt fulfilled last week. So let me just put that to you guys. You're, never, you're always going to have too much on your plate, right? There's just always too much to do. You've always got more to do. Like, no matter if, if you feel like you're, you have nothing to do, then just look around. There's always something else you can do. But if you want to make sure that you are successful, you've got to figure out what your big rocks are. And you've got to put those big rocks in. See, my week last week was terrible because I didn't think once about my big rocks. I probably didn't read my Bible once last week. I'm just being transparent. Before I started preparing again for this lesson, I was focused on the gravel and the sand, and my big rocks were just, it didn't matter. So I'm going to flip that script, and it's a lot easier. I'm on spring break this week. But the only thing I'm really going to worry about this week is my big rocks, and I guarantee you it's going to be a much smoother week. So that has nothing to do with the lesson. I just thought a good reminder. Like think about that because I know you guys who are in college, right? Or you don't go to school anymore. You're working. Just as busy, right? Like you always have something to do and you're, you're always going to be a little overwhelmed. Focus on your big rocks and you'll be able to fit all that other stuff in, okay? Make sure you put the big rocks in first. So make sense? Any thoughts? All right. Now we're going to jump in. We're going to finish Ephesians today. So we're going to wrap up Ephesians. And I may not go the whole class because I'm kind of floating on adrenaline right now. I have nothing in me. But that's okay. I want to ask this question. When I say this, this what do you all think of? 
Spiritual warfare. What do y'all think of when you hear the word spiritual warfare? Anything? Invisible demons fighting. What does that mean to you? Isn't it really weird to think about? Do y'all ever stop and think about that? Like, what is spiritual warfare? Are there invisible beings fighting around us right now? I have no clue, because I don't really understand it. Any other thoughts about spiritual warfare? One of my favorite stories. I love this guy, a guy named John. John, you live in Brazil, but if you ever watch this, know I love you. I'm telling this story not to burn on you. One of my favorite people is this guy named John, who is a Brazilian missionary. John was an older guy whose wife was having some health problems. This was about 10 years ago. And they sent him and his wife back to Nashville to get help at Vanderbilt Hospital. And to help John, they said, hey, we're still going to support you as a missionary. You just have to get involved in a mission. So John got involved in the church that I was a part of, the church plant that I was a part of. Um, and so John was helping us, and I loved John. John was like this super nice guy who was spiritually mature than I will probably ever be. He was just a spiritually mature guy. And so one day I asked John to preach. And, and remember, he's preaching to um, high schoolers who most of them were living in the inner city, hadn't had a lot of experience with church, didn't know the Bible, and so he gets up. I'll never forget that Sunday. John gets up and he's like, you know, I've put a lot of thought into this lesson. He said, you know, it's, we have a variety of people, people who have never heard anything about the Bible to people who have studied it their whole life. <clears throat> and he said, I came up with a lesson that everybody can understand. Spiritual warfare. And I remember sitting there going, what are you talking about, John? But... He knew so much that he thought we could get it. I remember he taught for an hour about spiritual warfare, and I walked away going, I still don't know anything about spiritual warfare. It makes me so, like, I feel dumb about it. So, when you hear the word spiritual warfare, what emotions come to your mind? I want everybody to share an emotion that comes to your mind. And you can say nothing, because I've never thought about it. So that's okay. What emotions come to your mind? What comes to your mind? You can say nothing. Nothing. Okay. Good. Thank you for your honesty. Tyler? Nothing. No? A word. A word. Or multiple words. Whatever comes to your heart. Fighting over you. Who's fighting over you? Or you. What about you? Does an emotion come to mind? No? You? Anger. Anger? Why? Um, you feel like there's anger out there? Yeah. Okay. I, so. I just answered for you. I'm sorry. That was uncool of me because he's super smart. What about you? Any words or emotions come to your mind? Curiosity and confusion. Me too. Thank you. What, is that the same? I was going to say confusion. Yeah. Anything? I got nothing. Nothing. That's okay. I got, I probably would have said five years ago, nothing, nothing, and I still am like, I want to know more about it, but I still have a lot of confusion. And we are not going to have answers after this lesson. I just want you to know that that's what we're going to be dealing with a little bit of, is spiritual warfare. So, I did not give you a chance to answer, Carol Lamb. Do you have something that comes to mind? Um, I, think of, I think of it more as internally. I think of it as a battle that goes on in my mind between my humanness and God's spirit that 
Yeah. And, 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 and she may be 100% right, and I don't know, because I still am confused just like you are. But, but we know that there's some kind of spiritual warfare going on. We know that there's a battle for our, our souls, right? And, and we know that Satan is involved in this. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the end of Ephesians 6, 10 through 24. And we're going to just briefly talk about it and uh, kind of share some ideas from it. But I, but I really have loved Ephesians because of this. The, the whole thing of Ephesians is, is this idea of no matter what, turn it back to Jesus. No matter what is going on, if we look at Jesus, then everything has an answer. Everything can be fine. And I say that with all the problems going on in our world, like, goodness, if everybody would just look to Jesus first, we wouldn't have any of the drama that we deal with on a daily basis that we read about all the time. So we continue to look towards Jesus and towards God. So do I have somebody that feels like reading? I don't mind reading. Um, but we're going to do Ephesians six ten through 24. Yeah. You want to start? And if you get done, I can read. Go ahead, start it. If you get bored, just kidding. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. All right, let's stop there. So, first part talks about the devil and, and, and how the devil is trying to wrestle us away and, and how there's this battle with him. So, I'm going to ask you this. Well, let me tell you all another story. I'm, probably, I'm in story mode today. I apologize for that. When I was in high school, I had a best friend, Paul Burroughs. I love this guy. Me and Paul Burroughs did everything together. We were living in Alaska. We would go to school. Every day after school, we would go hiking together. And then we'd go back to his house ready to eat. And, and Paul Burrow's mom spoiled us. She had a candy drawer. Do y'all have, did y'all have friends in high school with a candy drawer or like a candy spot? My mom didn't have it. Did anybody? Nobody had a friend with a candy drawer. Dude, that's weak. Not one of y'all. See, y'all didn't grow up in the 90s when we had things like candy drawers. But Paul Burrow's mom had like a legit candy drawer. When you open this drawer, it wasn't like fun size. She had full-size Snicker bars. Full-size Snicker bars. And Twizzlers that came in packages of four, where you got to eat four of them. You know what I'm talking about? And, and like whole bags of Sour Gummy Patch Kids. Or is that what they're called? Sour Gummy Patch Kids? Sour Patch Kids. Like her candy drawer was legit. And we used to go there, and we'd go to his house every day because she had the candy drawer. But Paul's mom was also, like, probably the only Christian woman I knew in, in, in Alaska. And I really did like her, but she used to uh, blame a lot of things on Satan. And, and it got kind of funny. I'm not making fun of her. But she would be like, don't eat too much candy because candy's from the devil. And I'd be like, well, Miss Burroughs, you bought it. But anyways... <laughs> And then we'd talk about girls, and she'd be like, well, some of those girls are from the, some of those, they're from the devil. Like, everything was from the devil with her. It reminds me of the water boy. Have y'all ever seen that yeah. movie? And the mom's always like, Paul Bur Paul's mom was very similar to that, but she was loving. And we used to walk away and be like, so, of course, in high school, everything. I'd be like, we'd be walking down the hallway, and I'd trip, and be like, oh, you tripped on a stick. Sticks are from the devil. Like, we would make fun of everything would be the devil's fault. 
But years later, I look back and I think she had a lot of accuracy in what she was saying. Now, I don't think any girl is from the devil. Don't take that wrong. Or Candy's from the devil. But I do think Satan is very much impacting our daily decisions and very much impacting the way our daily walks go. So, what are some schemes or strategies you guys have seen Satan use? Or do you believe Satan uses? Are there some things that you think truly are from the devil? As we read this, we read, Be strong in the Lord, put on the whole army, for we, wrestle against we don't wrestle against flesh and bread, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So how does Satan try to mess with y'all? He knows you so well. And if you ever have those, do you ever find yourself like, why am I always tempted by that? Like, I know I'm going to be tempted by that. I don't want to be tempted by it. Why is that thing always affecting me? Well, it's not because you're weak. It's not because you're stupid. It's because Satan's got it too. Like, he, oh yeah, I know. I know you're going to struggle with this, so guess what? I'm going to make sure when you're driving in the car, this song comes on, or, or whatever it is. Like, for sure, he knows you better than, than maybe we know ourselves. What other strategies or schemes do you see? I think the biggest one may be this. I don't know what movie this line is from. It's probably from a movie that's inappropriate. I'm not endorsing this movie, wherever movie it came from. But there's a line from a famous movie, and it says this, The greatest thing the, the devil has ever done is convince the world he doesn't exist. Yeah, he's convinced the world, hey, I'm not real. No, you got, you're making those choices. Like the greatest thing the devil has done is convinced us he's not even a present in our lives. Because if you're not looking for him, then you're not avoiding him. If you don't think Satan exists, then there's no reason to try to stay away from that temptation because he's not putting that in front of you. So I think that's one of the strategies he uses. Um, so let me ask you this. Are there strategies that you think Satan is most effective at kind of getting us or messing with us? Think what you said is accurate. Don't find out what, is that, are you going to find out what movie that's from? <laughs> Tell me, did you find out? Um, Let me know. If it's a bad one, just say, I can't find it. Um, <laughs> I really don't, I just know, I, that's one of those, have you ever watched something, you, you heard it and it just stuck in your brain and you always keep it, in, that's one of those. Any other things? All right, so I think that, that the way we defend it is right here in the next, the ending of Ephesians. The scripture that we've all read, probably countless times, I would say. What movie was it? Did I make it up? Yeah, that's it. Don't watch that movie. It's not a good movie. Um, so let's go ahead and read about what we need to do. Taking up the armor of God. And what I like about this is I'm very visual. I'm a visual learner. And when I can think like, oh, where you you know, these things make it real for me. So. Let's go ahead and read. Carol, do you want to keep going or you want me to take over? Go ahead. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you will fit 
you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Awesome. And I'm going to finish up. And also for me, the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I speak. Final greetings, so that you also know how I am and what am I, I am doing. I, what's that guy's name? Tychicus? The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I've sent him to you for this purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to you, the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be to all who, are, who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Um, I like that ending, love incorruptible. Here's a fun thing. We basically as a class, literally with the exception of a few pieces, have just read over the past few weeks the entire book of, of Ephesians. So that's kind of cool. Like I, I appreciate that. Um, and there's so much to gain from it. So let's talk just a little bit. Um, in, this for, in this section, I'm big on like thinking certain words are important. The word stand is used four times in a little small section. Stand, stand, he says. Um, stand, therefore, having fastened the belt, having this, and as your shoes. Stand up for this. Why do you think the word stand is used four times as we're talking about fighting these, these spiritual battles that we may not understand? Does, do you need to be standing? Why do you think he used those words? Is there a reason for it? Two ideas. You go, and then he's going to say it. What did you say? If you're laying down, you're already defeated. What do you do if you got some kind of... What were you going to say? Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think about it. Um, there's not any time where somebody is about to do something amazing that they're sitting down. With the exception of a scene from The Office where Michael Scott does a turn, you know. But you're always standing when you're ready to do something. Like if you're about to play a football game, you're standing. A sport or going to give a speech, you're standing. Like standing is preparation. So thank you. Yeah, I think what he's saying is this. Be ready. Like, again... From the usual suspects, the greatest thing Satan has ever done is convinced us he's not real. If you don't think he's real, you're not standing, you're not ready, you're just kind of chilling. And it's hard to be ready to fight when you're not in a, a, a preparation. So I think that's a good, uh, good point. Um, what ways can we make sure our armor is strong and effective? Is there ways to prepare our armor? Like he's basically saying you got the breastplate of, of righteousness, the shield of faith. All these great defenses, is there ways to make sure that our armor is ready and strong? How do you personally make sure your armor is there? It's going to be there for you. You know, one of the things I do, I think is important, is there's probably, I'm not, I'll be like real with y'all. I am not the smartest person you'll ever meet, and I'm okay with that. My memory is short. I have Probably six verses from the Bible that I have memorized. But these are six verses from the Bible that I need to have memorized. Because that's one of the ways I make sure my armor is ready. Like if I'm battling with something, I have those scriptures that come up and they're ready. 
you know. And I think that's one of the ways you can make sure your armor is strong. If you have scriptures to fight those temptations, you know Satan's going to tempt you with something, and you have a scripture that you naturally repeat in your head, there's no better armor than that. Like, what did Jesus do when he was, being, when he was fighting the devil? Or I guess he wasn't really fighting it, but when he was in a battle with the devil, what did he do? Scripture the whole time. And, and I, you know, I think it, some of y'all probably read the Bible more consistently than I do, and that's great. And some of you probably have huge pieces of the Bible memorized, and that is awesome. But what I would recommend is no matter where your, your level of like knowledge in the Bible or how much you've read it, have some of those scriptures that just come to mind. Like I feel like that is the strongest defense you can have. Um, let's see. One of the ways we can extinguish these like flame and darts is to have those scriptures that com that are combating lies. So have those scriptures. And the final thing is is like another repetition is multiple times in this Paul uses the word all, instructing instructing the believers to pray or pray during war. He says all. What do you think that word all says about prayer and about spiritual warfare? Why do you think he keeps repeating the word all? All situations. And I think there's an element of all of us need to be in it together, you know. Yeah. All right. So we're going to say this. There, I don't, I, if one of y'all becomes an expert on spiritual warfare, I beg you, will you teach me? Like, one of y'all go do that. Co you're Coggins, right? Go learn it, and then come back and teach us, okay? Because I would love to truly have a deep understanding of spiritual warfare. But what I do know, guys, is what I don't, it doesn't really matter what I know, because what I do know is important enough. What I do know is there's a battle for my soul going on. Whether internally, like Carol thought when she hears spiritual warfare, or externally, like literally there could be like two people fighting right here and we don't even know it. Like I have my arms around them. I don't think that's the case, but I don't know. But what I do know is that my soul is being kind of fought for, right? And so I need to make sure that I'm not just backing down, that I'm taking on this armor that, that Paul tells us to do. So, guys, no matter what, Ephesians tells us, turn towards Jesus. Jesus is there for us. He is our ultimate armor. So use the love of Christ in everything you do. Okay? Um, I really have enjoyed learning about this church because it just kind of reminds me a lot of our country right now. Um, you know, I had a clip that I was going to show you, but, but it's just not as interesting as I want it to be. But, but the whole idea of, like, when they were des describing what Ephesus was like, it was just a lost civilization that was not focused on anything except themselves. And, and there was no desire to have this Christian faith there. But these Christians in this church were a group of people that no matter what kept their eyes on Jesus. No matter how crazy life got, no matter... How many things were going on? They kept their eyes on Jesus. And, and that's how they succeed. So in everything you do, if you learn just one thing from this book of Ephesians, everything you do, turn to Jesus. 
Turn to the Bible, and it will give you answers, okay? So, literally, that is all I got in me. Next week, we're going to kind of turn and start studying something different. Do we have class next week because of Easter? I just assume we do. Okay. Maybe we'll do like an Easter class. We're going to do an Easter Kahoot. Somebody te text me and remind me to do a Kahoot because I'm going to be in camping. But, y'all, again, I appreciate just your willingness to listen to me. And um, let's end in prayer. And then it's just a few minutes early, about ten, five minutes early. You do? Yes, I would love it. But, um, therefore, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. And God, who is faithful, is not willing for you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will provide a way of escape. Um, I, I'm an architect, and the first 13 years of my practice, I, all I did was churches. And the essential thing in designing a church office suite was that the pastor had to have a door to the outside in addition to the door to the inside. Reason being, you want the man to have a way to get out if he's counseling with just him and a woman in there. So that, that always, that, that little practice, that little design practice, always reminded me of that verse. You might have to look for it, but God will provide a way to escape whatever beautiful temptation. Because temptation doesn't come to us in something we don't want to do. I mean, mm -hmm. it's attractive. It, it's like we said, God knows where our weaknesses are. You know, I might not, not be tempted to drink alcohol or smoke or do drugs, but there's plenty of other things that God knows that I'm tempted in. He puts those in front of me and makes them look attractive. And then the other verse is, what time I'm afraid I will trust in me, Psalm 56.3. There have been many uh, nights that I've walked through a parking lot by myself going, what time I'm afraid I will trust in me, what time I'm afraid I will trust in me. So just little tidbits of scripture will help you out. And I do think that there is always an out, and that's a, a great thing. And sometimes you got to work to it. Like when you're designing a building, there's just not naturally a door there or a great escape route. Like escape route sounds kind of extreme, but you have to design it and you have to be prepared for it. And I always say, like, one of the best things you can do is, is being prepared. Um, real quick, you made me think of something. So sorry, we're not going to get out of here early because it's all Carol Lamb. So. Um, what do y'all know about David from back in the Bible? Who's David? He was a shepherd before he... He was a shepherd? I got it. You can start talking while I find the, the piece of scripture I want to I read. I may have read this to you before. What else do we know about Dave, David? Okay. Uh, he was a man after God's own heart. Man, I'm not even... My brain is just not there. We're going to... I'm going to hold that for next week. Like, really, I have, like, COVID fog, like, you've never seen. So I'm so close, but I know I'm just going to slaughter it. So i got a lot to prepare for next week. But we're going to stop there. Carol's right. Like, always know that God has pre prepared an out for you. And, and just, but you got to use it. You know, 
My temptations are different than your temptations. My thing is I love to, to eat and drink unhealthily at night, like at 10 and 11 o'clock. And I do it all the time, and I wake up and my stomach hurts like every morning I do it. And I can't realize why I don't do it. Um, and, and part of my problem is, is I've always said, hey, nighttime is my time. Meaning this, like I'm a hardworking man. Like I work at school hard all day long. And I come home and I'm my, like typically on a given day, that, that jar I told you about, I make sure I have my big rocks in it. Like I get home and I'm family, family, family. Like we're playing monster um, and wrestling. Me and my son, he, he loves to wrestle. And then the girls were doing all sorts of fun things. And I make sure I read to them each for about 20 minutes a night, which is a long time when you think about all that time. So those things are in there. So I always say, come like 930. Sarah, I love you. Kids, I love you. But I want to sit on my couch and do nothing so that I can kind of mentally recharge, which is such a weird mental recharge. But so I would always say that, like, oh, I'm going to watch TV and I'm going to eat junk food. I'm lactose intolerant. I eat ice cream at night. Like, that's just a dumb thing. I'm like, I'm going to pound through it. Um, but that's my temptation. I don't know why. But what I do know is, man, there's a whole lot of outs I got. I got a beautiful wife in the room next door. Now, who's already asleep, but I could go sleep there. Or I could eat bananas or something, but I choose to do it. But I really do think that if we are paying attention to the outs God has given us, the escape routes, then, then we realize like we should never fall into temptation. Our problem is, is again, Satan kind of blurs our eyes. So that's all I'm going to say because I'm rambling. But I do love you guys. I think you are a great group of boys and girls, young men and young ladies. Let's pray, and y'all have an awesome rest of your day. Dear God, we thank you for today. We just thank you for just being able to study about um, the Ephesians and learn more. And I pray that, God, we can all have just a, an armor that, that is strong. And, God, just help us, help all of us to, to um, not fall to temptations, to, to use the outs you give us, God, and to just be focused on you, to, to always put you first, God. And, and that sure does make everything else easier. God, I pray that you be with um, people who, who may have flooding on land or, or um, seriously impacting them, God. And I just pray you, you, you give them help and help us to help them, Father. Um, we just love you and we thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week.